Welcome back to the R Squared Podcast. I'm Ian Levy. Um, I've been hosting this podcast for two years, and I've, uh, in that time, I've amassed a grand total of 17 episodes. What you're listening to is the 18th. So I've said this before at different points, but uh, as we enter this new season, I'm really hoping to make this podcast a regular thing. My schedule has changed, and my plans are to, if, uh, if not weekly, be uh, uploading new episodes at least twice a month. So uh, hopefully this is a good opportunity to get reacquainted with the podcast if you're an old listener. Um, or get familiar with it if you're a new listener and uh, looking forward to having lots more um, great conversations uh, for you in the future. Today's episode uh, is with Seth Partnow. Um, He's been on the pod several times before. Since the last time we talked with him, he's taken over as managing editor of Nylon Calculus. You can also find him at Washington Post Fancy Stats blog and a few other sites around the internet. Seth, welcome back. It's been uh, a long time since we recorded, um, and you've been uh, you've been a machine this summer, just churning out uh, great insights. Um, so, wanted to have you back on today to talk about uh, some of the work you did this summer, talk about uh, the upcoming season, some of the teams you're excited about, stuff like that. How you doing? I'm doing uh, pretty good. It's uh, it's it's. Uh, getting on to, to actual winter here in, in, in Alaska. So that's uh means the season's about to start, but it also means it's almost winter in Alaska. Yeah. Time to, time to get locked down inside. And we should tell the listeners that uh, it's what, it's about six thirty AM your time as we're recording this. Sure. <laughs> so that, so forgive any grogginess on, on Seth's part. Um, so you, you, uh, were prolific this summer, um, seemed like, uh, having the, the space to be away from, from newsy stuff and new stuff coming out gave you time to really dig into, um, these data sets you've been playing with, um, all year. What was, what was some of the stuff that you did this summer that you were really excited about? Um, I think one of the things that actually, um, seemed kind of uh, obvious, but it turned out to be much more useful than I thought it was going to be, was just coming up with kind of the uh, uh, the lineups and, and positional data stuff. And, and so to being, being able to kind of, um, as an estimate, it's not, it's not perfect because, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've talked about it before, kind of how squishy positional definitions are anyway. Mm-hmm. But just to be able to look and, and see, like, okay, here's what Anthony Davis did, did as, a cent- as a center. Here's what he did as a power forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to kind of be able to look at lineups uh, and, and players in in kind of that level of detail. And not just, you know, there are there are plenty of resources on, uh, mm-hmm. on, on to be able to do that kind of in an aggregate sense, but to, mm-hmm. to be able to break it down a little more finally and, and see for myself kind of, okay, what shots are, are happening mm-hmm. if, if Anthony Davis is, is, is playing here or there. So um, I think that turned out to be one of the more useful. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it, it was kind of, uh, as I was doing it, it was, it was definitely like a step to something else and then it became mm-hmm. uh, its own thing. And the positional definitions that you defined, so because you did a lot of work with it this summer, and it took different shapes in different places. But um, one of the things that I liked, and you used this last year with your rim protection stats and a couple other things too, is is that you um, you sort of went broad with some of the categories. So your sort of base positional designations are point guard, wing, and big. Is that right? Um, depends. For I actually for the the rim protection, I I I actually went. Uh, 
back to traditional five positions just because mm-hmm. um, working with some of the more uh, um, uh, granular uh, mm-hmm. bingo, since apparently that's a word I overuse, uh, but <laughs> uh, the, the more granular uh, um, data that that, uh, that that our 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 friend and colleague uh, Daryl Blackport has mm-hmm. has supplied us with uh, just the, the the difference between the kind of the rim protection. Uh, average almost of a of a power forward in the center turned out to mm-hmm. be actually even a little bigger than I thought it was uh, previously. So mm-hmm. oh, uh, or that that it had been when I was using kind of slightly muddier data. So mm-hmm. um, I actually kind of expanded back out just because uh, there's I mean it was you know under my method it was like a two and a half uh, mm-hmm. point per thirty six minute difference in terms of, of mm-hmm. and that and that was you know huge. Uh, yeah, kind of, fairly significant. Because all the, the perimeter players, all um, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, the the absolute numbers don't matter that much. But you know, the, mm-hmm. the perimeter players all scale to about average about two points saved for thirty six. Uh, mm-hmm. Power forwards are a little over five, and centers are eight. And so mm-hmm. lumping players together between those two started to make less sense rather mm-hmm. than than. than uh, treating them as separate things because I think I think that better reflects you know the game as played on the floor where kind of mm-hmm. the one big man tends to be you know out chasing pick and rolls out to the arc and 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 doing all that kind of stuff and and the other one tends to to drop into the paint and protect I think mm-hmm. on on most teams that better reflects reality than treating them as the same thing. Well, it's interesting because I imagine there's some cases where differentiating I imagine there's some questions that you would want to answer where differentiating between power forwards and centers matter like this room protection you're talking about and then there's other cases where the differentiation really matters between bigs and wings like that that's the yes. that's the inflection point where it's really important and getting beyond that is not adding any value yeah though i mean again with the way the power forward <laughs> position is changing um <laughs> i think i think like kind of point wing power forward center is might almost mm-hmm. be because as you're, I think what you're getting at is that in, in across many kind of things, the differentiation mm-hmm. between kind of shooting guard and small forward is um, not, not all that great, but then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the many different ways that, that there are to play kind of whatever you call the four uh, in the mm-hmm. NBA now um, kind of makes that a different thing. Than, than the center position. I mean, you you mm-hmm. uh, the the number of centers who shoot meaningful number of, of threes is is uh it's pretty small. Whereas it's it's increasingly common and almost I wouldn't say necessity, but it's becoming a, a mm-hmm. very common thing for you know power forwards to do that. And so that's you know how many threes do big shoot? Well, that's you know you're you're kind of you're you're lumping two things in there together and mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily because if you take out the the guys who tend to shoot none you know the mm-hmm. the, the traditional centers the, the Tyson Chandlers or Jonas Valančiūnas or stuff like that then you get a very different answer than just you know the average of all of them mm-hmm. and so the 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 positional definitions that you're defining when you get down to the five uh positions how are you um how are you separating? What's the what's the criteria for power forwards versus centers? Um, I you know I didn't I didn't try to do any kind of uh, uh, statistical um, uh, you know uh, groupings or anything like that. It was more just that these are these are the, the the five positions on the floor because really I mean almost well more important than anything else is uh, trying to 
define matchups a little bit. So mm-hmm. if if uh, you know you know Indiana is playing Paul George at the four mm-hmm. this year, um, you know I'm you know calling that power forward by convenience, mostly because mm-hmm. if the other team is playing a, a traditional lineup, uh, mm-hmm. that's who he's likely guarding on the other team is their power forward. So that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, more important than saying, you know, uh, a power forward does this. It's, it's just seeing like, um, you know, from, you know, most ball handly and smallest to most rim protecting and biggest where on that mm-hmm. scale is the player in this particular lineup. Um, so you're, so, cause the point being then that you're making some manual distinctions, yes. it's like, the problem with basketball reference um, with their uh, positional estimates, which were a great step forward when they first had them is I think they're almost entirely by height. Yeah. So you had a situation last year with like the, like with the bucks where I think Chris Middleton is six, eight and Dudley's listed at six, seven. So even though Dudley was functioning as the, as the small ball power forward in all of those lineups, basketball reference treats Middleton as the power yeah, and, forward. Cause he's, you know, listed as an inch taller. And the, actually the, the, the bigger one, because it, the bucks are interesting just because they're, you know, through kind of, uh, uh, they do so much switching kind of two through four, um, that, that who's, who's playing what, uh, mm-hmm. it, maybe it, matters less than that. Yeah. Context. It's a little bit more malleable. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you might even argue that, 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 uh, Giannis was the four, but mm-hmm. then again, he handled the ball a ton, whereas Middleton and, and Deadly were kind of spotting up more. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, that's, it's def- defining positions for, for kind mm-hmm. of those mid-sized teams is tough. But, the, yeah. but even the, the 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 more important example, I think, would be like Golden State, where um, you know Basketball Reference w- would have a Barn Harrison Barnes playing above you know a, a bigger position than Draymond Green, and uh, uh-huh. which that just doesn't doesn't reflect how Golden State you know Harrison Barnes at times like guarded power forwards, but that was when you know Draymond Green was playing center. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I I can't think even against like Memphis, I can't think of times where you know they had Bogut, Barnes, and Green on the floor, and you would say that Green was playing quote small forward defensively. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but that's another situation where it's dictated yeah. by height, right? Yes. Because Barnes is listed as an inch yeah. taller than Green. And then there there's also just some like like special cases where um you know. Uh, uh, one situation that that I had to kind of manually adjust is, is mm-hmm. New Orleans, where mm-hmm. um, you know when if they're playing their three main perimeter guys together, then you know Holl- Drew Holiday has the ball and Eric mm-hmm. Gordon's the two guard and Tyreek Evans mm-hmm. is a small forward. That's that's that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if without an, without you know manually adjusting it, then if it's just Gordon and Evans on the floor, it would it would have come out that Gordon was the point guard, and that's not right. Uh, yeah. So just kind of, kind of certain situations where uh, kind of flipping people here or there um, uh-huh. is necessary. But yeah. So this, so this is one of those cases I think, right, where people who uh, are maybe skeptical of advanced analytics talk about how the numbers, uh, the numbers can't fully capture something like positionality because the. Maybe it's because like the features of positionality are things that maybe we can't sort of totally measure, and then they differ from context to context, team to team, and things like that. Um, so the manual adjustments are are a step forward, but you know you can't realistically do manual adjustments for for everything. You know, for right. uh, you know, you you couldn't go back, you know, whatever fifteen years oh. worth of lineup data and do those manual adjustments. It take you you know forever. 
Yeah, that, that, uh, that's that's I I would agree with that. I mean, I you know, um, I think at the time I could have uh, you know just a a lot of it is is uh, you know careful attention to the league, um, and mm-hmm. so going forward, it's something that's that's you know certainly plausible. And you know, there are people. There's been some academic work uh, and and other stuff about kind of doing some 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 kind of clustering analysis to come up with. Uh, with you know whether at the kind of the normally defined positions or um, I think John Nichols who now is the analytics guy for the Cavs or the the head analytics guy for the Cavs um, mm-hmm. did some work a while ago kind of breaking positions down even further into kind of mm-hmm. roles um, and that's I think all that's you know very possible um, and it, it's it's just a matter of of it, um, it's a, to me it's an almost an eighty twenty thing in that. Um, I, I just need to get close, and then from there, it's it's a lot of it is um, is you know using some actual judgment and, and basketball uh, as played on the floor experience to to contextualize what the numbers are saying. Mm-hmm. And and for you, right? Like that's the point of this work this summer is that the is that the positionality then. Um, like it's, it's not to make a list of, well, who are actually point guards and who's the best true point guard or, you know, whatever those silly questions are. It's to, um, it's then to understand how skills fit together, how lineups are built, um, like how offenses and defensives function. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, what, what are we, uh, um, you know, revolting against it within the positional mm-hmm. revolution, just kind of so, and also, yes, to see what, uh, you know, um, if, if you have a point guard who doesn't do point guard things, what are this, you know, the air quotes as necessary, um, mm-hmm. what are the skills that you're having to replace with the, with your other, with the other players? If, if uh, Patrick Beverly isn't really, uh, you know, a ball handler, offensive creator guy, what what things does that mean James Harden has to do now? Or mm-hmm. and now with the addition of Ty Lawson, does he have to do less of now? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I think those are, those are, you know, uh, in, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, like, is it how much of a waste of kind of Serge Ibaka's uniqueness is it to um, kind of make him fill the hole that is Ennis yeah, Canner's, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously though, it's, I mean, that's, that, you know, maybe neither here nor there, but, uh, that, that's, uh, well, we can get away with it because we have Serge Ibaka. It's like, well, yes, but that's like giving away the advantage you have from having Serge Ibaka. So anyway, yeah. uh, that's, uh, my, uh, dislike of, of, of that, you know, contract will, uh, will live That's on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of my favorite things that you did this year, uh, it was not quite positionality, but sort of using this data and thinking about that idea was the bully ball article, um, which you wrote about. And then, uh, you did, um, the, the great inside the numbers video series we're, we're doing at nylon calculus with Adam. Um, then we'll, we'll link to that as well. But, um, so the bully ball article, the idea was defining post-up opportunities or shot attempts out of post-ups and then looking 
looking at closest defender and looking at height advantage, right? So you're looking at post ups where the where the offensive player has a significant height advantage, and oh, then looking I, at how I at the score. I, I didn't look at height advantage. I looked at, at that kind of uh, position advantage. Just so oh, okay. So it would capture. I mean, if there's misunderstanding. No, 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 it's okay. If there's because if, again, if there's a guy like Jared Dudley or or Draymond mm-hmm. Green who's playing a lot of power forward, uh, presumably mm-hmm. they are they're doing it well enough to not just get destroyed in that position. And I yeah. think, and I think looking into, um, you know, the, the data kind of back that up, that, that mm-hmm. movement, that guys who tended to play up tended to be guys who, uh, weren't disastrous at it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm almost outsourcing, uh, the, the wisdom of, of who can credibly guard the post to, to NBA mm-hmm. coaches. <laughs> that way, because I mean, the people they had guarding the post were people who could guard the post. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I kind of looked at at, at kind of uh, positional mismatches in that way, like you know, playing against guys used to playing smaller, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, from that article, I think the absolute least surprising insight from that article was that Hibbert was terrible at taking advantage of his size when he had a smaller matchup. Uh, and from watching him the past couple of years in Indiana, you'd see how often they would try and slow their offense down and try and create a mismatch for him in the post and let him let him go to work and how rarely that worked. Yeah, and that's, um, and that, that's I think that's in, in the modern NBA, that, that right there just is bad <laughs> offense. Full, yeah. full stop. It's it's mm-hmm. it's too easy to push a guy too far out on the floor if you're just you know. I think I think Adam and I talked about this, but you know if it, if you're if you're catching the ball with your back to the basket ten feet away, um, that's not really for, for it's typically throwing to a guy who isn't the greatest passer or ball handler. Like how is <laughs> how is that an advantageous situation? I don't like mm-hmm. you know I. Um, I've I've been looking for it, you know, when I've watched preseason this this year to the extent that I've been able to watch preseason because, you know, your your brain kind of clicks off yeah. after five minutes. But the, <laughs> just looking for for if teams are and I think they are trying to do you know slightly more clever things to to get people the you know the ball on the move a little bit and so they're you know mm-hmm. catching the ball with their back to the basket but their back almost literally to the basket like so they're mm-hmm. like you know if if you've got the small guy on you. Uh, you actually just want to bury him under the rim and then dunk it on him. Not like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to back you down from 10 feet because I'm bigger. It's like, that's, that's very time consuming and all kinds of things can go wrong. So mm-hmm. um, that's uh, neither of which make it the most efficient offensive strategy. Yeah. So were there other things that came out of that bully ball article that were, were surprising to you? Um, I think some of it is also just, uh, I'd like to be able to like, get a little more fine grain with the data to be able to, uh-huh. because there are some guys who qualitatively are kind of pick and roll finishers and they obviously mm-hmm. finish like mad, mad men over, over, uh-huh. you know, the smaller rotation defender, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're Tyson Chandler's or you're, you're like Kenneth Farid even is another example yeah. of that. Um, and so to be able to better distinguish between, you know, which is kind of a, uh, guys who are better at, at finishing those situations over, you know, the, the, the help defender or who happens to be smaller or those guys who are able to, you know, all right, you're going to, you're going to play small ball against the Marcus Aldridge. All right. Well, here, you just, you, you just scored again. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think he's, he's one of the, uh, um, an example of a guy who 
can who can take advantage. And I think, you know, based on his skill set, I don't think that's super surprising. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. uh, a a good jump shooter who is mobile enough to get the ball in in good spots and a good enough passer and a low enough turnover player that he can that 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 can become a um a more valuable play than than you know you try you see the uh um the, the kind of the the lumbering the behemoth and, mm-hmm. and try to well just overpower and get called for an offensive foul kind of, kind of yeah. <laughs> um so the the obvious extension of that article or or the whatever uh, uh mirrored sort of idea would be to look at small players attacking off the dribble against players who are bigger is that something that's manageable with the data um you can to some extent, you can. Uh, I mean, I know we can't define yeah. drives necessarily the way SportView defines them without uh, some serious algorithmic work. But something like you know, number of dribbles in touch time, you know, against a, a guy who's bigger than them, something like that. I think, especially from the public data, working out like who's guarding <laughs> whom when is yeah is, becomes, and that's again, that's a. That's a similar problem to, you know, trying to figure out which was a post up, which was like a, you know, a, a, a cut to the basket or, you know, a play out of the pick and, uh, out of the pick and roll. Um, I have looked at times at, you know, uh, both offensively and defensively, um, you know, situations where guys are shooting jump shots off the dribble over, <laughs> over bigger guys. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, it should surprise nobody that uh, Steph Curry and Chris Paul are absurd in that situation. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Trey Burke was awful. Um, off, off the top, those those are the ones I remember off the top of my head. Just um, uh, and and then it's it's hard to look at like defensively because I think there was maybe like four or five guys in the league who you know defended kind of quote unquote defended. Uh, like more than a hundred shots last season mm-hmm. in that situation. So it's yeah. like, um, how much do we really believe about, you know, th- this guy was good or bad or, you know, they just happened to make three shots in a row on him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moving on from the stuff you did this summer, you uh, wrote for sports illustrated, the cauldron uh, vertical at sports illustrated earlier this week about the Houston Rockets and you're, you're bullish on the Houston Rockets. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm cautiously bullish just because, um, you know, it's a hard road for them, but I, it's, it's like they've been kind of relegated to, oh yeah. And it seems <laughs> alongside, you know, the warriors who, uh, you know, I, them not being the favorites for the West still kind of confuses me to be honest. Um, yeah. uh, 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 and the, the, you know, the Spurs Clippers thunder are all just to kind of assume, Oh, they'll be right there. Oh yeah. And Houston. Has seemed mm-hmm. to be, and it's you see that in everything from kind of the preseason odds. When I when I wrote that, you know, all all of the, the Houston's at twenty to one. I think they're at sixteen to one now uh, to win the mm-hmm. title. I'm not sure if, if uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't been monitoring that every day. Uh, but still, mm-hmm. all the the, the, the four <clears throat> that I mentioned were all like under ten to one, and it's like, well, Houston's that much worse than those. I I don't I don't I don't I, don't, I, I disagree. Um, I yeah. Don't, um, and so, a large part of it is, I think that there's, you know, Houston isn't necessarily a likable team um, for a, a variety of reasons, and I think that mm-hmm. dislike kind of is overly. I don't know if it's colored the analysis so much as that it's subjected them to more scrutiny than than mm-hmm. some some other teams have 
have have gotten. I mean, you know, Oklahoma City has has a has still has a strange roster and a coach who's never coached in the NBA and you know, <laughs> the, uh, Kevin Durant's free agency distraction possibly lingering and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, he, the, the Spurs. I mean, they have some kind of roster recombobulation issues themselves and. Um, what happens if Tony Parker's just old? You know, that's they, they don't really have anyone else on the roster who does kind of what he what he can do. Um, all, mm-hmm. all respect to Patty Mills, um, and and the Clippers. You know, uh, the the, vent, the bench is revamped. Um, is it good? <laughs> you know, they, they, it's not like it, it's you know if if you're having if you're you're talking about you know the head case concerns with the Rockets, then you look at the Clippers bench and you kind of, okay, <laughs> like, why are we not asking those same questions? So that's, that's kind mm-hmm. of the, almost the question I'm asking is like, all right, if we're going to like, you know, put Houston under the microscope, we need to put these other teams mm-hmm. under the same microscope. And, mm-hmm. you know, and on the positive side of the ledger, there's a lot of really interesting things that they can do. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I thought was interesting is, uh, so since the Rockets made this loss in addition, and assuming that he, you know, um, assuming that he is sort of functional and and is no more legal trouble and is able to play and stay healthy, whatever this year, um, everybody has sort of been talking about him as a compliment to Harden, and um, you know him as sort of a secondary ball handler, and how's he gonna, you know, how's he, his spot up shooting should improve dramatically because he didn't get to do much of that in Denver. He always had the ball, and now playing next to Harden, you know, as a spot up shooter, he's going to be great. Um, but if, I know you. I think it came in an email thread, and then and touched on in the article too. But the idea of uh, of Harden playing off of Lawson instead of of uh, of Lawson maybe uh, situations where Lawson can be the primary ball handler and Harden is that secondary creator who's attacking after the defense has already shifted or he's the one spotting up on the outside. Well, yeah, I think Harden's probably Houston's best spot up shooter. So, mm-hmm. but you can't you can't spot up for yourself because you need someone to throw you the ball. So that it, yeah. it it that's one one area that it frees him up. And also, like you know, he's a with, with as crafty and as you know, people won't, won't love to hear this, but <laughs> as crafty <laughs> as he is, like drawing fouls when he has an advantage. Like, what <laughs> what happens if you know you're suddenly adding you know ten plays a game where instead of having to create the advantage for himself, uh, he gets the ball with someone closing out on him, so he, he's already has the advantage there, and that just <laughs> seems like that makes his possibly makes his life easier, and 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 so you know. Uh, he the fact that he was basically uh the only guy on the Rockets roster who could really, you know, create offense with the ball in its hands last year, uh to mm-hmm. any degree of, of uh you know by you know, in the playoffs Josh Smith was probably their second best creator, their second most creative mm-hmm. player. And I I it's I'm uh, well on record as being a great admirer of Josh Smith's skills, but I think if he's your second best creator that indicates you have a lack of somewhere else. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it it brought to mind to me this idea of or or there's sort of this perception, right? So they're like Harden's Harden's clearly a better player than Lawson. So he's their best offensive player. So he should drive the offense. He should have the ball the majority of the time. He should sort of be the engine for everything. But there's there's this trade off, right? So like if Lawson takes some of that, he's probably less slightly less efficient in those opportunities that Harden is. But the benefit of of 
uh, or the increased efficiency of, of Harden's opportunities off the ball would maybe offset that. And the, the analogy that came to mind is not a perfect analogy, but a few years ago, I can't remember which uh, Pacers Heat playoff series it was, but at one point Vogel made this shift where he put Paul George on Dwayne Wade and moved Stevenson to LeBron. And the idea was that even though George is the best defensive player and you'd want him to match up with the best offensive player, George could take more away from Wade than he could from LeBron. And Stevenson could sort of do just enough that that, that trade-off ended up being a net positive. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's sort of analogous to, you know, the, the, the the debate about Kevin Love and how he was being used in Cleveland last year. It's like, uh, uh, especially Love seemed like he was he was banged up a little bit. Couldn't wasn't super mobile. Um, mm-hmm. And and so yeah, you could have done different things to be better for Kevin Love and Kevin Love's stats. Uh, I wasn't convinced that doing those things would have been better for the offense as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like you using him as a kind of a spot up weak side shooter is is maybe a waste of Kevin Love but uh that may have been the best use to uh, within Cleveland's overall offense given you know the what they had last year so um mm-hmm. you know and and uh I think also having that getting back to Houston having that that secondary creator I think also just makes things easier for um kind of the other three guys on the floor um, rather than kind of just standing around, kind of waiting for Harden to do something, there's going to be many more. Uh, I don't know about many more, but there's going to be more opportunities where you know Harden makes a play, gets a little bit of a crease, throws the ball to Lawson, who now attacks an advantage and creates a better mm-hmm. opportunity for somebody, or vice versa. So just having that that kind of that that second person who can kind of uh, you know the, the something the Spurs have been great at for years, kind of you know picking. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking at the scab almost of, you know, we've gotten that one little edge and the next person's going to mm-hmm. keep exploiting it and keep exploiting it and keep exploiting it until we find a wide open three or a dunk or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just Houston now has a little bit more of that ability that they didn't have last year. That it was a little bit of kind of what Chandler Parsons gave them uh, the year before is that mm-hmm. that ability to kind of catch the ball with an advantage and make a play. And they go from kind of having, um, nobody who could do that because the guy who could do that always had the ball to, to you know, with, with them sharing the floor, they're, they're always going to have at least one guy off the ball who can, mm-hmm. who can kind of catch an attack. Do you, how, how much do you think the Rockets will be able to get away with playing them together defensively? And if they do, is that, do you think that's usually with, um, with Beverly as the as the uh, as the third backcourt player and Harden's playing small forward uh, or however you want to define it, um, or or do you think they're playing together with Beverly on the bench? Um, I think that depends both on matchups, but how much they can get away with it um, depends hugely on 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 Dwight Howard. Um, mm-hmm. If he's uh, you know he even kind of limited, he was still in some ways a pretty effective defend, defensive anchor last year. And in, mm-hmm. if he can, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be Orlando Dwight again, but if he can be just really good, um, rim presence, uh, mm-hmm. rim deterrent Dwight that, uh, that allows, you know, a, a whole lot more kind of, uh, uh, in terms of of the porousness you can kind of have on the perimeter, and also I think that um, 
with less of a ball handling uh, responsibility, Harden's defense will will improve just because from an energy standpoint, he'll ha- he, he won't be expending as much, you know, mm-hmm. having to create every offensive play. It's interesting, too, because they, you know, they sort of have just as much of a sort of a, a tangled rotational knot in the front court um, between Howard and Mata Yunus. Um, and then uh, and Capella seems like he's ready to start commanding a certain number of minutes as well. Yeah, um, that seems like that's almost a, a, a good problem. Um, they have so many kind of pieces and young guys to, to kind of fit around. Um, not all of them are, are going to work out. I mean, you know, Capella, uh, Harrell, Decker, um, you know, uh, to the extent that KJ McDaniels is going to play some small forward, um, yeah, Moda Yunus, Terrence Jones, um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of, a lot of people we're talking about here. And, <laughs> you know, also, you know, Trevor Ariza, if they can, might, might end up at some small ball four, um, you know, that's, a lot of different things. That's that, that, that's a lot of uh, lottery tickets. Almost they have to, to find yeah. to find a uh, a workable rotation. It's also um, a lot of you know skill versatility, um, which mm-hmm. I think is something that is becoming increasingly important. To um, you know, in the past couple of years, there's like all right, we're going. This is the, this is the Mori Ball way we're going to play, <laughs> and and uh you know it's uh, it's fastball 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 and now they mm-hmm. have you know they have a change up and a curve and and uh, it, it being the baseball playoffs those are the analogies <laughs> i'm going with now um but then they have you know the, and that's something that you know we saw with the warriors against you know uh, both the the grizzlies and the in the finals against the Cavs. i mean kind of having that well let's try this okay this series is <laughs> over now Kind of having yeah. that, that ability to, to morph and make your team a little bit different is something that San Antonio has done very well uh, over mm-hmm. the years too. And the Rockets seem like, um, with a you know reasonable amount of like health luck and uh, um, and, and all that kind of stuff, um, and and some you know development from a couple players, that they'll have that ability too to kind of um, change and shift the way they want to play a little bit to best exploit the opposition's weaknesses. Um, and that's, that's a, that, that, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice card to be able to play. With the way they've changed their roster. Do you think the thunder have picked up some of that, some of that ability this year? <sighs> I mean, obviously it remains to be seen yeah. what Donovan does and how he sort of sets everything up. But um, it seems to me like they have more, it seems to me like there's more sort of adaptability in their in their pieces uh, than I recall them having the past few years. The, yes, um, the the problem is is there's a, there's a, a few of the pieces I just don't like. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there's and, a lot of there's a lot of either or, right? Yeah. You know, so it's like Cantor's offense is a, a sacrifice on defense. You know, Morrow's three point shooting or Roberson's wing defense, but sort of nobody nobody gives you a little bit of both. Everybody gives you a lot of one thing. Yeah, and that's and I think that's really the uh, been been the the complaint about you know them for for. A couple of years, I think. Um, you know, not to. Uh, it, it's it's kind of why is their their offense so clunky? Well, it's because that's the guys they have who can do things with the ball are are two. So, <laughs> you know, even 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 Ibaka, who I you know I think is an all star level player, is not necessarily a guy who you know you can throw the ball and say go do something, and, mm-hmm. and expect good things to happen. So it's it's almost natural that it 
how kind of stagnant their offense can and has become. But that's mm-hmm. you know that that's getting into my you know my my uh, my <laughs> Scotty Brooks wasn't that bad uh, defense tirade. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, you know you won't have Scotty to kick around anymore, guys. So um, yeah, and that and and yeah, it's I you know I would if they weren't seemingly beholden to play Cantor huge minutes. Um, you know, I think Steven Adams is just a plain better player. Um, I think that it's entirely possible that Mitch McGarry is a more effective overall player this year. Uh, that's, yeah. That, 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 no, that doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Cantor can't be a useful kind of situational because mm-hmm. his ability to, you know, score is it's considerable, but mm-hmm. whether that's, uh, you know, how necessary is that on a team with Durant and Westbrook? And and you uh-huh. know, are you giving more than you're getting uh, in yeah. kind of their starting lineup? And if you're paying him this you know gazillion dollars, are you you know beholden to play him 32 minutes a night, regardless mm-hmm. of of uh, of how much sense that might make? So, well, isn't isn't the appeal of Cantor right that he's that he could be the key to unlocking something more sort of creative out of Durant and Westbrook, um, I, right? You know, like they ha- they haven't had a player as talented as him offensively to go with them. Um, you know, Abaka can space the floor, which is great, but he. Uh, you know, is limited in other ways, and Cantor can sort of, you know, he can post up, he can, um, he can finish in the pick and roll, he can make some simple passes out of the pick and roll, and he can shoot, and and so that he's sort of, I don't know, whatever he he would be the key to turning them into something other than what they've been in the past. It's still like what what do you think his his best skills are are still even though he does it from a different spot on the floor, are still kind of the same. All right, throw him the ball, something happens. Um, yeah, it's not you know. Uh, I mean, can can he make passes out of the pick and roll? Um, have, have we have have we have we seen that? Now, part of that is you know he hasn't necessarily uh, in Utah gotten the opportunity to, to you know play with a lot of you know crafty pick and roll players. So um, that's 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 an open question. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's still a a um, his best usage is still. I mean, the, his best individual contributions kind of come from, you know, him stopping the ball and, and, you know, doing something with it, which, you know, mm-hmm. at a certain level of abstraction is kind of, well, that's Westbrook and Durant also. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, you're kind of adding another guy who it's, it's not, it's not just your turn, my turn. It's your turn, my turn, his turn now. Almost. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, that's not the only way it can work, but that's, um, it's not the most natural compliment. I'll, I'll say that mm-hmm. there are, there are kind of other, um, you know, it's obviously it's a, it's a, not a, not really a comparison in terms of overall skill, but you look at say like a, an Al Horford or something like mm-hmm. that, who, you know, in addition to being able to score and maybe, and probably isn't like the pure score that Cantor is, but can do all those things, can hit a jumper out of the pick and roll, can make a nice pass, can handle the ball, can, do all those other things that kind of uh, link between players on an offense that mm-hmm. is kind of, that's kind of the player that, that OKC has been missing um, aside from, you know, Nick Collison is probably the guy who's been their best at those kind of skills over the last couple uh-huh. of years. And, you know, we, we all love Nick Collison, you know, uh, adjusted plus minus superstar, but you know, you, you, you hope you could do, you could do better. 
mm-hmm. for as as in terms of like having a guy who can kind of be a, a complementary offensive piece. Well, I'm all for Mitch McGarry. Uh, he's uh, he can make some passes, and I don't know if you saw him. He was out there hitting corner threes the other night. <laughs> <laughs> he made at least two, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping he gets some run this year. I hope he doesn't get buried by Cantor and Adams. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And, so, oh, go ahead. No, and, uh, and and uh, no, that was all. That's all I got. <laughs> Um, so I got a couple minutes of laptop battery here before we die. So uh, just a couple other things you're excited for about this season, either team players on court uh, relationships, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then maybe some other data projects you've got your eye on. You'd like to like to get to. Um, I'm, you know, uh, in terms of the rookies, I'm super excited about uh, Moutier. Um, <laughs> we kind of swooned over him at summer league. Uh, nothing in preseason has kind of dissuaded me from that. Um yeah, that's 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 the main one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just kind of excited for the season to start and and for things to be happening instead of just the, in, in some ways this <laughs> this is the most maddening time of year because it's like everyone's so amped up for the season that the there's like a lot of passion in the air but there's no data so it's just a lot of no this no that <laughs> you know it's kind of like the 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 Steve Carell. Uh, um, uh, Stephen Colbert arguments on the old Daily Show. <laughs> yes, no. So, um, yeah. Um, and then just data stuff I'm working on. Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out uh, you know more um, passing location kind of stuff. I think I have mm-hmm. a, I have a line on on how to how figure out kind of not just uh, teammate created shots um, both made and missed um and you know from where the passes are coming i've done a little bit of work on that in the past and hopefully i've i've um, working with some folks who might be able to help with uh figuring figuring out that at a, at a kind of an individual shot level rather than mm-hmm. kind of on aggregates um and just in in general kind of trying to dig deeper into a lot of the stuff i've been looking at over the summer and then mm-hmm. you know and all that immediately gets shoved to the side is, you know, two weeks into the season. Well, look at this is what happened, what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And it, I imagine it'd be nice to have uh, every layer of public sport view data, you know, that we get everything that deepens that sample. And, you know, we can trust the stuff that we're, that we're finding a little bit more. I'm sure it's just icing on the cake too. Yeah. And um, also it's kind of, uh, there'll be someday soon when I open the uh, what's new tab on uh, <laughs> staffs.nba.com. <laughs> And they have like the new thing, the new goodies they've unveiled for the season. So I, uh, yeah, I, I may or may not be checking that page like twice a day. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And also, uh, I guess since the last time we recorded a podcast, and that's old news. But um, so you've taken over as managing editor at Nylon Calculus. A lot of fun new stuff this summer. Uh, a, lot, a couple new faces, some good talented new writers, Nate Duncan and others. Um, a little plug for for what's gonna what's gonna be coming up at Nylon this year. I'm just hoping to kind of expand our coverage into other areas. We've got some people who have come on and are going to be doing some more college stuff. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna, we're gonna re- replace like Ken Palm, but uh, um, just, to, just to compliment and 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 uh, to add that layer in, um, and just um, a lot of smart people. Uh, we've, we've kind of uh, uh, our, our data wizard Daryl Blackport is kind of. Uh, 
found a good way to kind of warehouse data on a just the raw data on a daily basis, which um, be pretty helpful in terms of of, of uh, turning analysis and and uh, you know actually one of the things that's going to allow is kind of more kind of season segment based sport view analysis, which is something that it just hasn't been possible with the public data in years past, mm-hmm. just because there's, they don't filter it by date, grumble, grumble, but, uh, <laughs> but we're, we're going to be able to do that. So, um, so we'll kind of see where that, that leads us. Um, I, I, I think that, that this, this was the case with you and, and is the case with me as well. Just kind of letting the smart people we have right there kind of find the things that interest them and, and, you know, uh, whether it's you know the rivalrous nature of rebounding or just historical jump ball stats, um, it, something <laughs> something interesting will come from it. Um, yeah. And those are, by the way, those are those are both articles we've had recently. So uh, if you want to know who the the best jump ball taker of the last fifteen years is, um, it's Shaq. Anyway, uh, the, um, <laughs> Matt Matt Femright did a did a big deep dive on that recently, so you can you can find that under our stats at Nylon Calculus. Yeah, that was great. Um, all right, well, thanks a lot, Seth. We'll hopefully be checking in with you uh, during the season, and uh, yeah, good to talk. Yeah, thanks a lot.